audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in the Gospel of Luke. For more audio or information about our church, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I hope that you have had a, a great week. I hope that your week was better than mine. Uh, I have been sick all week long. And uh, my wife's not in here. If she was, she could attest to the, the fact that I am a horrible sick person. I whine like crazy. The world is over. It's not good. Uh, but that's been me all week long. But I feel great now. Some of you are like, well, I hugged you this morning. I'm sorry. Um, I would understand if you keep your space. But um, I am so glad to be here this morning. And I'm, I'm glad you're here as well, I'm excited that we get to continue on uh, with our text this morning in Luke 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Find your place in Luke 5. Um, and while you're finding your, your place there, one of the things that I love about our Bible, one of the things I find just incredibly interesting about our Bible is, is, that, is how profoundly human it is in some aspects. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, it's not a collection of stories about people who just nailed it and got it right and were perfect role, role models for us and our children. That's not what we get when we look at the Bible. When we look at the Bible, we see, I'll put it like this, even our good guys have their stuff. Like You don't have to think long about this. Uh, David, man after God's own heart, the guy was a killer artist and writer king of God's people, just, he had, he had so much, killed a, a giant with a slingshot. I mean, this guy was awesome, except for that whole murder and adultery thing, right? We think of Noah. Noah was righteous, the only righteous, and, and he, he listened to God in the midst of all the people laughing at him. He builds this ark, all good, right? Except for the awkward vineyard moment that happens in like a chapter later, um, Let's go New Testament. Think of Paul, most prolific church planter the world has ever seen, right? This guy was incredible. He wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone else, right? That's Paul, just a great guy, except for the fact um, all the murdering of Christians and leading the charge and persecuting the church, right? Even our good guys have their stuff. And what I love about the Bible, I mean, I, what I love about it is, is it's a story of broken people. And in the Bible, as you read it, you realize there's only one true hero in this book. There's only one truly good guy in this book, and that is Jesus Christ. And everyone else is reliant on grace. And the reason I love this is because I can read it and relate to it. You can read it and relate to it. It's a profoundly human book, and I love this. And so this morning, um, we are going to look at a text where Jesus starts to identify his disciples. Now, uh, as you would expect, I mean, these, these men are going to be with Jesus the most. He's going to pour the most into them. He's going to teach them. He's going to do life with them. So wouldn't you expect he picks just the most normal dudes, you, he just picks these typical guys. They're not great. They're, they're just these normal guys. And the thing, again, that I love about this is that it's so relatable. 
as I was preparing this week, uh, the thing that I love about chapter five, especially what we're gonna look at, is it's so easy for you and I to pick this up and, and say, yeah, I see myself here. And so I'm excited to look at this this morning. We're gonna pick it up right in, in verse one. And so as I read this, I want you to do your best to paint this picture, this scene, uh, in your mind as I read it, okay? So we're gonna start right in verse one. On, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, to, and that's Jesus, uh, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake, Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to pull out a little from the land, uh, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So just real quick, let's, let's, let's really picture this scene and what's, go, what's going on here. So through our, our time so far in Luke, we've seen that Jesus is, has taught several times in the synagogue. And he's starting to kind of develop a following, people that are kind of intrigued by him, curious by him. Um, he was different. Last week we talked about, the, they heard him teaching, and they're like, that's different because he speaks with authority. And it's authority that comes from within himself. And they're, they're kind of, they're intrigued by this. He's claiming to fulfill scripture. Uh, last week he's rebuking demons, rebuking fever. Jesus was different. Uh, Jesus was, was different. And so you get a sense that, that as people were looking at him and seeing what he was doing, they didn't quite know what to do with him yet. Was he good or was he dangerous? Should we be supporting him, going, following him, or should we be rejecting him and should we be uh, seeing him as a threat to, through, to what we know and what we believe? They're still trying to figure him out. And so here they're all coming to a little open air preaching uh, from Jesus by the lake. How awesome is that? Like open air preaching here on, on the lake. And so here's the scene. You get a sense that all of this, this crowd is following him. He goes to, he, they follow him to the lake and, and he's about to teach, but here's the problem. He, there's no way that they could hear him. The crowds are there. It's, there's no way for him to effectively communicate with his people. So Jesus scans and he finds a boat, right? And, and he thinks, perfect, perfect. And so he asks uh, a man named Simon, uh, Peter, we, we know him as Peter, most of us, um, if he could borrow this boat. Now, what he's going to do is he's going to push out, and it's going to be a little bit of a floating pulpit for Jesus. Okay, so, so you get the sense that these crowds are coming up to the shoreline. Jesus pushes out a little bit, and he sits down in the boat, and he starts to give a sermon by, sermon by the lake. I would have loved to have been here in this moment. Just before we go any further... What do you think, it wouldn't have been nice to know what Jesus was teaching. I wonder what the crowd's response to Jesus was in this moment. I wonder if they were hanging on every word. I wonder how Jesus' voice carried over the water and carried over the people. I mean, open air preaching by the lake with Jesus. This is an awesome scene. Uh, and then we have verse four. And when he had finished speaking, so Jesus has finished his sermon here, right? When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Simon Peter, uh, the, whose boat he's in, 
said, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Okay, so remember one fact here, and that is Jesus is not a fisherman. Okay, he's not a fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter by trade. You would expect Jesus to give advice on how to build desks, not advice on fishing to professional uh, fishermen. You have to imagine that these guys who hear this are like, you know what? You work with wood, hammers, nails. You stick with that. We got this, Jesus, right? You, you, you wonder what's going through their mind. Um, but here, Jesus, is, Jesus finishes his sermon and says to Simon, the fisherman, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, now we get to verse five. Verse five, church, I love verse five. I see myself in verse five. I see you in verse five. Verse five, I love this verse. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I love this. Um, Okay, so these guys have been out all night long. All night long. This is hard work. So they have been working hard all night long. Long And what made it worse is they had absolutely nothing to show for it. No fish. That's a fail on a, on a night of fishing, right? And so they had nothing to show for it. They did everything right. Um, they're tired. They're cranky. They're ready to call it a day. They've already washed their nets, cleaned up, packed up. Uh, and now Jesus, who, by the way, probably enjoyed a great night's sleep the night before, Um, Now, Jesus, who, by the way, is not a fisherman, is telling them, do it again. Do it again. And Peter's fatigue and his doubt, I like to think of this this verse, verse 5, as his fatigue and his doubt going out of his mouth before he realizes it. So his fatigue and his doubt, he said, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. Just comes out of his mouth, right? just comes out before he knows what, and then it's like he gains composure, takes a breath, and adds the second part. But at your word, I'll let down the nets, right? At your word, I'll let down the nets. I love this verse because of the faith and obedience is so often messy. It's messy and it's, it's I can relate to Peter here, he's like, Jesus, this is crazy, and I'm tired. All right, but if you told me to do it, I'll do it. That's kind of, maybe for many of us, we could stop here, go home, get a marker, write on our mirror. Jesus, I'm tired, this is crazy, but if you tell me, I'll do it. That's, that's kind of, in, in essence, what, what Peter is saying here, and, and so often this is exactly what faith, what it looks like. In real life, I'm tired, this is crazy, I'm cranky, but Jesus, if you tell me to, I'll do it. And think about this, Peter had so many really good reasons not to listen. Really good reasons not to listen. Um, I can think of just a few off the top of my head, okay? Uh, Number one, again, Jesus is not a fisherman, Number two, again, they are exhausted. Number, number three, um, they had just cleaned up 
all the nets. They had just cleaned up from a really hard night's work. Uh, They had just cleaned up, and now again. Uh, Number four, the fish obviously aren't biting. All right? Uh, And number five, we'll say it again, they're exhausted. Right? They had really good reasons not to listen to Jesus. And as we think about this church, they had had really only one reason to listen. They only had really one reason, and that was because of the one who was telling them to do it. They had so many reasons to say no, and only one reason to say yes, and that was because it was Jesus telling them to do it. And and the authority of Jesus overcame all of the great reasons not to listen Church, have you been there? Have you ever been in a place where you have every reason not to listen? You have every reason to say not now, this doesn't make sense right now, where you have every reason to to just not listen, and and good reasons, where you can explain them, you can tell your friends, and they're not going to even judge you about it. Good reasons. And you only had one reason to listen and that was because you knew God was calling you to do it. That was this moment right here. Um, 11 years ago, Candace and I were uh, a little over 11 years. We were, we were a newly married couple. And uh, this is my word here. You can ask Candace, but it was going well. Like, marriage for us, our first year was, was, was pretty Easy. I mean, when we got married, we both had great jobs. We were healthy. We were happy. We were in love. Finances were, were decent. We were off to a good start. And then something crazy happened. Um, and that was this sense that we began to feel like God was leading me into pastoral ministry. And... and so we started praying about it, but the more we prayed about it, the more we felt like it was inescapable, that this is what God was doing, where God was leading us. And uh, both Candace and I were on the same page about this. We both felt it. And because of that, uh, because we both knew that, we both felt it, I knew that if I was going to be called to lead the church faithfully, I knew that if I was going to bear the load of, of teaching the scripture faithfully, that I needed to take very ser- seriously and spend time preparing myself. So 11 years ago, we started asking, what does that look right, like? So my background was in architecture, and, and my background, I was a, a worship volunteer worship pastor for my church. And I, again, let me just say this, I had every reason to say not right now. Every reason to say not yet, timing's not right, things are good right now. Um, but I couldn't shake it. Candace and I couldn't shake it. After several weeks of prayer, we started to really know what we needed to do. And so um, for me, what I, what, I, what I knew is I needed to continue serving in the church, yes, but I also needed to get formal education. And I knew that was my call. This is what I need to do. And uh, so one day, I walk into my boss's office, and, and I tell him the great news. I tell him, I love my job here, uh, but I, I really feel that I need to go back to school. And at this point, he's really positive. He says, 
awesome. What, what does that look like? What are you thinking? And, and, and his positivity wore off really quick when, when I told him it was a Bible college. He looked at me very puzzled, and I don't want to paint him in a negative light, but this company wasn't really thrilled of, of forking up money, supporting me, coming around me as I get a degree that once I complete, I will be out of there, right? They're not, you know, they liked me. They just didn't like me that much. And um, he told me very nicely, you can't do both. You need to make a decision. We're behind you you know, if you choose to stay. But if not, we understand. And um, have I said this enough? We had every reason to say no. Um, and only one real reason to go. And for Candace and I in this moment, that was enough, and I, and I quit. And um, now, before you think that we are awesome and fearless, don't, because it was right in this moment that incredible amount of panic sets in, and we are losing it, um, I, me specifically, um, but the panic lasted for a week because at that time, God let us in on something he was doing and, and kind of gave a glimpse. I honestly think he didn't leave me in panic mode for very long because he knew this guy can't handle it, and so he, he, he let me in. On, on, what was, on what was happening. So the following weekend, Candace and I are at a dinner with a, uh, a business owner who is a believer who I will not name here because he would not want me to. Uh, and through the small talk, uh, he asked how we were doing, what we were doing, and I shared with him the weird, awkward blend of, of anxiety and excitement that we, were, that we were dealing with for the future. And so we shared with him the story. And then he asked me this really direct question that I'll never forget. He said, how much do you, did you make at your last job? It's a weird question over dinner. Uh, but I told him. And then he said this. Uh, we would like to match your salary for as long as you are a full-time student until you earn your master's degree. Candace and I are in shock. Candace is in, in tears, and, and I go on to tell him, because I'm a really, I want to make sure I get this thing. I was like, but you don't understand. I'm, I'm going to Bible college, and then seminary will be out. This is like an eight-year commitment. It's like eight years. And, and he said, we know, we believe in you, and we support you. Church, this was a, um, a Peter moment in my life. This moment uh, is such a large reason for how uh, that I get the joy, the privilege to, to pastor today. This moment um, gave me the unique opportunity to pour myself into uh, school, gave me the unique opportunity to basically volunteer full-time at church plants and, and not cost them anything. And this this right here was a game changer. And as I think about that moment, Candace and I, again, had every reason to say no, only one reason to say yes. Um, and it's a moment that has marked Candace and I's life from that moment on. I really hesitated to share this story. I mean, really hesitated to share this story. In fact, if you would have asked me on Friday, are you gonna share the story? I would have said no. 
Um, I really hesitated to share this story because I don't want you to hear me wrong. We don't always get this right. We do not always get this right. I can think of so many times in our life that I look back and I was like, well, we missed it there. We didn't step out there. We didn't, I can think of so many times in our life that, that we get it wrong. But as I read this text, there, I could not escape this, this, this moment in our life. It, 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 I couldn't look back. I mean, we look back so many times since those 11 years. We look back on that moment. And, and when we face trials and we face decisions, we look back on that moment in our lives and say, but remember what God did then. Remember what God did then. Um, church, do you, by the way, do you have those kind of moments in your life? Those moments, uh, which we'll explain this in a little bit, the Peter kind of moments that you call to memory when things are, are uh, foggy or difficult, where you call to memory and you say, God was good then. Remember what he did then. Um, these moments are all throughout scripture, by the way. If you read the Psalms, it's always looking fear in the face and saying, but remember what God did, right? This is what we've done for centuries, um, do you have those moments in your life? If, if you're here and, and you, you don't have those moments yet, one might be coming. One might be coming, and as it comes with all of its weirdness and fear and, and unknown, um, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to stand on the fact that he is good, he is faithful, and he will never leave you. He will never leave you. Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will cast down or let down the nets. We'll pick this up in a little bit. I want to give you my translation of verse five, the Justin translation. Master, I am tired. This is crazy. I have every reason not to listen to you, but because it's you, I will listen and I will obey. Now, listen to verse six. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were, were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and, and filled both the boats so that they began to, to sink. So that's awesome. Um, first of all, as a fisherman, that's really good news, right? This is your livelihood. This is great news for boats to be, you know, literally sinking because of the fish. Um, but there's, so, there's something so much bigger here than just the financial blessing of a very large catch. Uh, listen to this, verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and, and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Listen to that verse 8. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I love, again, the, the humanity, the humility that's on display in this, in this verse. Um, at this point, just think about this, church. At this point, Jesus, or, uh, Peter did not fully understand the gospel. 
At this point, Peter did not fully understand who Jesus Christ was. He didn't fully understand what Jesus Christ was going to do. He didn't fully understand all of the wonderful and beautiful doctrines that we hold to. He didn't understand uh, atonement. He didn't understand the doctrine of the Trinity, right? Peter didn't understand any of that, but Peter knew this. I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of God, and my response to that is humility. My response to that is to realize that I am a sinner. My response to that is to call him Lord and myself a sinner. That's all Peter knew. He couldn't even articulate what was going on. He couldn't even explain what is going on in this moment. All he knew, this was a movement of God. church, is this not still exactly the way that most of us come to faith in Jesus Christ? Is this not exactly the way that we come to faith? We we don't fully understand it. We, We don't yet fully know all the beautiful doctrines of the Christian faith. We don't fully know those yet. We don't know how to even explain it. All we know is that God has moved on our heart, and I am a sinner, and he is Lord. That's all, that's all we know. This is, we can't explain it all. But what we can say is that I'm changed and I'm in the presence of God. I love this text because it's so easy to relate to. It's so easy to relate to because maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and you have struggled with believing the lie that you need to know all the answers before you come to Jesus. You need to know all the answers before you can trust him. Maybe you're wrestling with the fact that you don't know enough. You just don't, you don't have all the answers that you would like to have in this moment. This morning, I want to encourage you to respond like Peter. To respond like Peter. I don't know all the answers yet. I don't even know what I don't know. There are so many things that I would like to know that I don't know yet. But what I do know is that God is moving, that I'm in the presence of God, that he is Lord, and I am a sinner. Church, that that is a beautiful response to a very real experience with our God. Verse 10, Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Do not be afraid, do not fear. I know that the power, the authority that you just witnessed, um, I know you saw that, you don't know what's going on. Don't be afraid, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. So for a moment, if you grew up in church culture, um, try to put this to the side a little bit. Maybe if you're familiar with church lingo, put that to the side. Maybe you have a shirt, a bumper sticker, Um, a brace, I don't know, Um, but whatever you have, uh, maybe you're familiar with this term, fisher of men, right? Uh, Many of us in the church are. Um, But for a moment, let's set this aside so we can just acknowledge how weird this statement would have been. How absolutely, what did Peter think when Jesus made that statement? So think of the implications, because, because think of this. Peter was a fisherman, also known as a fisher of fish, right? 
That's what Peter did for, for a living. It was Peter's occupation. That was his mission. So Peter would go. He would fish. He would catch fish. He would bring fish back. He would make money, provide for his family, and enjoy some good fish dinners. That was Peter's life. That was his, what it looked like. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then Jesus says, from now on, you will be catching men. This was the call of Jesus to Peter to completely change his life's mission, perhaps even his occupation. Whereas he, he usually catches fish, now somehow, some way, Jesus is telling me I'm going to catch men. Um, you have to imagine that Peter had no idea what that meant. He didn't have his answer. We stand, okay, we stand on this side of history, so when we see fisher of men, we say, oh, I know what that is. See, in Acts, uh, Peter stands up and he preaches a sermon and thousands are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's fisher, that's making disciples. That's what Jesus meant. We stand on this side of his, Peter is right where he is in his real life and we get no indication, in fact, it would be very highly unlikely that Peter would have understood what this meant. Here's why that matters. Listen to Peter's response. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That was their response before their questions were answered. Before he even knew what that meant that Jesus just said. Like, what am I getting myself into right now? He had no idea. Before he got his questions answered, that was their response. They left everything, everything they had known, everything they had worked for, their livelihood, they left everything right there on the shore. Church, that is a powerful moment. That's what I meant when I said a Peter moment. That's a powerful moment that I would bet they would have remembered forever. This moment changed their life. Right here in this moment. They left everything, walked away to follow him. They didn't have the answers yet. They had no idea the magnitude of this moment. They had no idea the magnitude of this Jesus. They had, they had no idea. So I've asked this before, but how many planners are in the room? You like to have a plan? Okay, for those of you who don't have your hands up, I've said this before, you're weird. Like, I do not understand you. But for us planners, can you imagine how difficult this would be? Can you imagine how hard this was? All they knew is, all right, we'll go. Hopefully that'll make sense, what he just said later. But we're gonna go. We're, we're, we're gonna go. All we know is we must trust him because he said it. That's, that's, all, we, that's all we've got. Um, I've said this over and over, but how easy is it to relate to that? How easy is, I mean, this is a, a text. It's a beautiful, beautiful summary of what it means to follow Jesus. What it means to follow Jesus. Jesus. He moves on us and calls us, and so often he moves on us and calls us before he gives us all the answers that we would like to have before we are moved and called. It's just the way he works, and it's, for a planner, 
all the normal people in the room, that's so hard. That is it's so difficult. But it's never about us, and it's never about us knowing the answers. It's, it's never about that. He moves in us in ways that are often prof- profound and unexplainable. Uh, he, he moves on us, and all we know is there's something different about him. We experience him, we experience the gospel, and we simply respond like Peter, you are Lord, and I am a sinner. You are Lord, and I am a sinner. And by the way, Jesus has uh, something to say about that response. I want you to look just a few verses up in our text in, in verse 31. Um, here, a few verses ahead, he's, he's calling another disciple to himself, this time a man named Levi or Matthew, this time not a fisherman but a tax collector. Uh, and and he's, he's calling this, and then listen in verse 31. To those who are well, or those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So as people respond to Jesus, they say, they realize the fact, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a sinner. And, and it's like us today. When, when we realize the fact, that simple realization of, oh, I am a sinner. And then you start asking the question, if I'm a sinner, then what business do I have having a personal relationship with God? And this is what Jesus says. He lovingly shares with them, I came for the sick I came for the sinner so that we are able to say, and I love this, you are Lord, I am a sinner, and Lord, I know that you came for the sinner. That is good news. And Peter, along with those disciples, respond by following him, leaving it all, not out of legalism or obligation or religious duty, but out of a place of passion, authenticity, just not even knowing what it is, but knowing there is something about this man. I trust him and I will follow him. I will go, I will leave, and I will follow. And as simple as this sounds, as simple as it sounds, this is our call today. This is our call today. It can be so, think about this, okay, it can be so easy to write this off because you say, well, well, obviously. Back then, I mean, Jesus was right here in the flesh. They saw him. They, they lived with him. Of course, it would have been easy for them to see their boats overflowing and say, yeah, I'll follow that guy. I'll follow him, right? It's, e- it's easy for us to, on this side, to, to write it off. If, of course, they experienced him face to face. But I want to put something before you this morning um, that I think makes a massive difference. When they left to follow this carpenter, when they left everything to follow this carpenter, they had no idea what was, what was before them. They had no idea the way God was going to use this carpenter. They had no idea that this carpenter was the son of God. They, they had no idea that he was going to die for their sins, suffer on their behalf. They had no idea that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to raise from the dead. They had no idea. They had no idea that through him they would not die. They had no idea that through him they would be in eternity with with him. They had no idea of any of that. But church, praise God, we do. We 
do. We know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. Now, we don't know all the twists and the turns and the ups and the downs along the way that we would like to, but we know the end, and knowing the end makes a difference. Standing where we stand, we know the end, and it changes everything. Church, we know that our Savior came into the world, lived the life we couldn't live. We know that he died the death we deserve. We know that he was beaten. He was mocked. We know that he gave his life for us, paid our debt. We know that. We know that that he was buried, that he was dead, but that the grave couldn't keep him. We know that he rose. We know that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and we know that through him, we will have eternal life with him because of his work. We know this. We stand on this. We know the end of the story. Church, today, you have more answers than Peter ever did. You can be sure of that. Today, the same Jesus is asking you to follow him, and we can be sure of that. And so again, what, what is our response? Verse 11 says, they left everything and followed him. Is this your response, church? Regardless of your past or your present, regardless of how much you know, regardless of how much you don't know, regardless of your age, your race, your gender, Uh, how much or how little you have in your bank account, regardless of your health, regardless of your intelligence, regardless of where you live, what you do for a living, regardless of if you're single, married, married with kids, married without kids, widowed, wherever you are, whether you're Republican or Democrat, no matter who you are, what you are this morning, regardless of that, there is one question that matters and one question that must be answered and that cannot be answered ignored. What is your response to Jesus Christ? Do you trust him? Do you follow him? For those who respond in faith and trust, the Bible says that, that you will never perish, but that you will have eternity, eternal life with him. Um, and for those who respond in faith, now we get to have Peter's response of leave it behind and follow Leave it behind and, and follow. Now, don't hear me wrong. This does not mean, the Christian life does not mean that your life will now be sunshine and lollipops. Blissful amazingness. That your life is buttercups and whatever you, you love in life. Um, this does not mean that you're not gonna go through hard times, struggle, sickness, adversity, moments of doubt, Moments of strained relationships, all of it that mean what it means to live life in this world. It doesn't mean you're going to be kind of void of all of that. That's not what this what this means. Um, Here's what it does mean, though. You don't have to turn here, but in Philippians three, I love the way Paul sums this up. Philippians three, starting in thirteen, Paul says, "Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do." Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in in Christ Jesus. Forget what lies behind 
and strain forward to what lies ahead. Yet how many times, church, when I read this, the thing that hit me, how many times, church, do we, do we um, switch those to where we, um, we catch ourselves forgetting what lies ahead, forgetting that we know the end, and straining backwards to the things that we do know the things in our past, the things behind us, the places we've always been and lived. Our call this morning is to trust and to follow, leaving behind, following after Jesus Christ. Um, as you, as I think about this, um, the thing I, I, I want us to, to ask ourselves is, are there things that we need to leave are there things that we need to leave behind that we just keep coming to? Because some of us, I know, we have a heart to follow, but we are unwilling to leave. And that's, that's difficult. Difficult's not the right word. That's impossible. Jesus calls us to follow, to, to forget what lies behind, to strain forward to what lies ahead. And if you're here this morning, and up to this point, you, you have not yet authentically responded in faith to the gospel. Maybe you've been coming to church, you enjoy church, but you're playing church. You're pushing off this whole real Jesus thing uh, to another time in life. You're just, you're pushing it. Maybe you've just flat out rejected it. Here's what I want you to consider this morning. Consider the men in the text this morning that we've looked at. Um, these men didn't ignore him, didn't push off the decision until later. They didn't reject him until they got more information about what he meant when he said that, right? That, no, these men witnessed Jesus Christ, they acknowledged him, and they followed him. They witnessed him, they acknowledged him, they followed him. And I encourage you, wherever you are this morning, to consider Jesus Christ. Consider what he has done. Consider the fact that you know how this thing ends and respond. The call remains the same. How do we respond? Church, would you pray with me? God, I pray for us this morning as a church. I pray for everyone who is in this room right now, no matter where we are, no matter what has brought us to this place this morning, that you've brought us here for a reason. I pray for those of us in this room who are, who are struggling with, with trusting you. God, just in the stillness of this moment, that you just show each and every one of us that you are trustworthy. God, we want to see your power and experience your power in our life. But God, even now, if we don't know all the answers, we haven't seen the things that we wanted to see yet, we, we aren't in the place that we want to be yet, even now in this moment, as a church, God, we will trust and I pray you give us the ability to leave and to follow. To leave and to follow. And that those leaving and follow 
moments can be moments that we stand on and we say, remember, he is faithful, he is good, he will not leave us. Let them be moments that we stand on. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.